You're tuning into Parenting Naked Collaborative, navigating the celebrations and challenges of parenting. Hello, welcome back to Parenting Naked Collaborative. We have Misty White here, Gretchen Levy, and Danon Moore. Today's topic is about postpartum depression and anxiety. We're going to talk about statistics, we're going to talk about symptoms, we're going to discuss our own experiences. So hang on to your hats. Get a piece of paper and pencil, jot down some of these things to see if maybe you're experiencing it. Or if you're about to have a child, have these symptoms and ideas in your head of, you know, could I be experiencing it and what can I do um, for both uh, mom and for spouse who are about to be parents or who are experiencing it right now. All right, so I'll jump in with some statistics to get us kind of started on this conversation. Um, so some of these facts are coming to us from womensmentalhealth.org. Looks like a great resource for reproductive psychiatry um, and information. We were just sort of having a conversation before we started recording about the overlap and comorbidity of postpartum depression and anxiety and how Misty and I had some common symptoms um, that were more categorized by OCD and anxiety than they were necessarily by depression. And so our experience, though not well documented, is also not atypical. Um, most women experience some overlap in symptoms, and it's not just the common depression symptoms that we think of. So let's start by maybe talking about some of the symptoms you can expect to have with depression. So with depression, you're going to have uh, some sleep disturbance, potentially some change in eating habits. You may feel hopeless. You may feel overwhelmed, irritable, and weepy. Um, that is not an all-inclusive list, but that's some mm -hmm. of the common ones mm -hmm. to look for. Can you yeah. guys think of any others? I think for me, just kind of describing it, um, if you guys have ever seen the never-ending story, I think of depression as the nothing that's coming in. It's like this big black cloud, and you can kind of see it and feel it, and it's coming so quickly. My, when I experienced depression, it would hit me so hard, and I would feel like, what is happening to me right now? I don't understand. I don't know where this is coming from. And I just wanted to curl up in bed, like hide under the covers and just weep. You know, it's that nothing that's coming mm -hmm. over and feeling like, oh, this feels overwhelming and I don't know what to do. I just really want to shut down. Um, for those younger crowds, it would be like the Dementors from Harry Potter coming in and just kind of <laughs> sucking that life out of you and feeling hopeless and overwhelmed. And that's kind of the visceral feeling that I can describe that um, depression symptoms um, to connect with because it was just so big and so overwhelming. It wasn't um, small in any means. It was just like it was there. You saw it coming. It hit you. And for me, I just had to hold on, mm -hmm. hold on until it would dissipate. Mm -hmm. And I know that my experience is a little bit different than other people's experience because um, it would only come in like days at a time or a day at a time. And I knew it was going to get better. 
And so um, talking about kind of the continuum of depression and, and anxiety, because we all may experience those levels very differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My depression symptoms were really, really mild. My anxiety symptoms were pretty mild and manageable without medication, where other people really needed medication. They really needed that village to come in and say, we are going to help get you there. And then everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I would describe what depression felt like for me. Um, I mean, for for me, depression, when I think about it now and I'm removed from being depressed, it has a pain. It mm. actually has a physical pain to it. It hurts. Um, like heavy? Is that what you heavy, mean? but also just, I think for me, it was so debilitating. My bones ached. My muscles hurt. Mm-hmm. There was... And I don't know that that happens to everybody, but it was just another side effect of depression. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've used that expression when talking to other people that there is just this physical hurt to it as Mm -hmm. well. It's not just emotional or psychological, Mm -hmm. um, but for me, very painful. Mm -hmm. And I think when it is that painful, um, that's where some suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. may come in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just need it to end. I'm not being a good mom to baby. I'm not being a good partner to my spouse. I just want this pain to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Or having the feeling of I'm nobody likes me. Yeah. Nobody wants me to be around. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, that's more what I got. When I was experiencing postpartum with our first, I, I didn't feel like I was inadequate for him. I just felt like nobody needed me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a place or a purpose when it was really those dark, dark days. I don't know. I think when you start to get to that place (laughs) and you, for me, I just stopped associating my life with my husband and with my baby. And it was really more, I was more obsessed about how awful I felt and how awful things just seemed for me. I stopped thinking about Andrew, stopped thinking about Sean. Mm-hmm. And didn't really consider what would be what would life be like with for them without me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think mm-hmm. of them. It just got to a completely different place. Mm-hmm. That's when you need medication. Yeah, for you sure. Have, you've got to go get some professional help. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and and that's the continuum that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? And and there's so much gray area between my experience and Danan's experience mm-hmm. with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I knew that I didn't really need medication at that point. I knew that if I kind of got back into my daily structure and my daily routine, mm-hmm. but I also had a lot of help. My mm-hmm. sister lived with me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom lived 30 minutes away and was there. And so I had a lot of family support around me. So if I did feel depressed or I did feel like I needed to go outside, I would have that. But there's a lot of people out there who don't have that. Um, Danan and I didn't know each other back (laughs) then. And um, had we known each other, we could have provided that support. But you know, that shoulda, woulda, coulda kind of mentality. What do you do when you don't have that kind of support? Or when you do, how do you reach out and say, I need you to come over more, or I need you to come help make dinner, or can you Mm -hmm. come help do my laundry or anything like that, that could be helpful. Yeah. Well, and I was reading an article recently to kind of piggyback off of that. New moms, new dads may not even ask for help, but you know in your heart they need something. Mm -hmm. And the article's premise was just go and offer an hour of help. 
Mm-hmm. Offer to grab their laundry. Yeah. I, I think it's easy for people to offer to bring over food, mm-hmm. but instead offer to sit with the baby while yeah. mom, mom takes and a dad. Shower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Take crying. a little nap. Yeah, I used to bring the little mm-hmm. rocker thing mm-hmm. into the bathroom with me, and I could like see her and hear her while I took a shower. It's yeah. just so like it's so weird that that becomes these trips to the grocery store, taking a 10-minute shower, those are like your reprieve. Those yeah. are your times. <laughs> yeah. How nice would it be not to have to have the baby in the room? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think I cut you off. Though. No, no, no. That's mm-hmm. fine. Go ahead. Oh, did <laughs> it's I? Good. Sorry. No, not really. Um, I just think that the idea is if you're a new parent and you don't know how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Or you can't because it's so debilitating. It, it, right. It, mm-hmm. Some of us feel like we've failed if we have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. We've never done this. We don't even know how to do it. Mm-hmm. But then depending on our personality, we feel like we've failed. Mm-hmm. So if you're providing support or you know someone that has a new baby or is preparing to bring home a new baby, offering your time in some way. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for them to ask for help. Just offer. That's such yeah. a good point. I remember when my friend had twins. She'll come on and talk to us when we do our twin segment. But um, I would just show up on Fridays because I had Fridays off. I'd bring her some food and a coffee. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care what she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she could be breasts out on the couch. Hopefully mm-hmm. she did I mean, in I happen to know that she actually appreciated it. But yeah. at the time, I just sort of did it because I knew it was what was needed. Yeah. And we don't reach mm-hmm. out. Like, I, I didn't. Not often enough, no. Mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some other things that sort of contribute to postpartum is this loss of identity, this loss oh. of self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were this person before you had a dependent, and now you're this other person with a dependent. And then you add breastfeeding on there, and it can just feel like that's your job. Yeah. Like, I am just a dairy cow mm-hmm. here to produce for you mm-hmm. and to keep you alive and what does it matter what I think, feel, need, or want? Like, exactly. I am just now dedicated to this role. Yeah. And to compact that, when your spouse is wanting to be intimate and sexual with you during that time mm-hmm. as well. I mean, a lot of us, and I mean, I guess I'll speak for myself, I didn't want anything to do with that. You know, my I wanted to wait the, the six weeks, the recommended six mm-hmm. weeks, but then over that six-week course, when your body is healing and mending and you're breastfeeding, you don't. I didn't feel um, sexy. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like my breasts were these beautiful things mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> you know, it was just like they were they were production of milk for my baby. Yeah. You know, and so having to kind of um, balance that role for me mm-hmm. was really really hard um, mm-hmm. because. My husband wanted to reassure me that he thought that I was pretty and I was sexy. And I was just like, back up. Like, I appreciate that, but I don't want that. I don't want that right now. Like, adjusting to this new role. A new body. A new body. Your hips are different. Like, everything. Your whole body is just so different. Um, And, I mean, looking back, I appreciate Randall for doing that. But also kind of telling partners, like, give your, your spouse a moment to breathe yeah. right mm-hmm. let let them come to you a little bit more because that adds to the anxiety that adds to the depression when you feel like you're not meeting your husband's needs right mm-hmm. you're feeling you you can't shower you're feeling gross you're feeling like you you maybe you can't even take care of your own baby let alone taking care of your spouse's sexual needs mm-hmm. it's like you knew this was coming like 
here's some Vaseline or whatever. <laughs> Go take a shower. Yeah. A sock, and, a tissue box, and yeah. lotion, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And not to be flippant because we know that you have needs and desires too, but just be patient. Yeah. yeah. During that time, especially if your spouse is um, having depression symptoms and you hurt, mm-hmm. you know, like to mm-hmm. what Danan is saying, like in f- such physical pain and agony, you there's no sexual desire there. Yeah. Well, and on top of depression, the other things that come along with it, engorged breasts. Mm-hmm. That yeah. feels awful. Yeah. Constant mm-hmm. bleeding. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just never know how long you're going to bleed after you have a baby. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of something that you don't really want to deal with. Or, or I didn't anticipate either. I yeah, didn't, no. Didn't realize. I had no idea. Well, yeah. the first one was a C-section, so I didn't have that. But I did with the second, and I thought, oh, did, yeah. didn't expect this part yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. Or when I was breastfeeding, I got mastitis. I, oh, that's oh, my so heavens. painful. And then you're sick. You're yeah. really sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just so many other things that get involved and yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we just need mm-hmm. our partners to be supportive and mm-hmm. patient yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure so we're going to circle back because this is just so important um you know talking about depressive symptoms because they're different from anxiety symptoms mm-hmm. um and when you go talk to your primary care physician it's important to take both assessments of depression assessment and then an anxiety because you're going to be treated differently mm-hmm. for those. And sometimes you can have both. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they can come hand in hand. And so then you really need to have a psychiatrist at that point who is very familiar with postpartum because um, Donat has had experience going to a primary care physician and then needing to go to a psychiatrist. Yeah. So if you want to yeah, Elaborate. so needing to get on some kind of medication for what I was going through with my first, um, I needed to be on a different medication, and my MD prescribed it really haphazardly, just didn't think twice about prescribing it, and so I trusted him with um, helping me get off of it when I felt like the time was right and I was feeling better and you know just in a better place. Well, I let him kind of talk me off of this medication, and, you know, we had this plan of how to taper. It, it didn't work, and then I became <laughs> psychotic, I think, in, you know, nice way to put it, but was having hallucinations and really, mm-hmm. really thinking of scary things, fearful, irrational um, Do you mind going things. into those? I don't mind going into it. It's hard to explain, and it might be really hard for someone else to understand, but I was having these visualizations of just horrific creatures or demons haunting me Mm -hmm. or scaring me or, you know, I felt fearful that this demonic thing that I kept visualizing was going to harm me. And sadly, I didn't think it was going to harm anyone else in the house. Mm -hmm. It was all in me. Um, and so I, I don't know, that was probably as close to psychosis as I've ever experienced. And, um, it was because he, we didn't have the right plan to get off that medication. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I was absolutely losing my mind and would, you know, never came to the point where I felt like I wanted to kill myself to save myself from those demons that I was making up and creating in my mind. But, I had a true fear, and so then it started to creep in and mess with my sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. 
I started to kind of recoil again from social life and from um, normal experiences at home, you know, joy, finding joy in things. And then so it was almost kind of another bout of depression because we didn't get off that medication correctly. So then I, I, you know, I have a background in psychology, obviously. So I went and um, got help from a psychiatrist and paid a lot of money. It wasn't covered with insurance just to get the psychiatrist helped to get off the medication. And yeah. so I don't I don't fully remember the routine, but it was like we had to start it again, mm-hmm. taper off of it and get onto something different and taper off of that. And so it was there there were many steps involved and it was a very gradual experience, but at least that second time around it was safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I felt like myself. So Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a good point that was in one of the articles I read too is that if you have the means and are able to go to a specialist mm-hmm. um, and not just rely on what's in network to mm-hmm. get the help, because yeah. um, sometimes it's not the best option, yeah. um, but to make sure that you're going to somebody that has some level of expertise in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and one of the, one of the, things to put together with depression is when we are shutting down that we can actually cause unintentional neglect with our children and I'm not saying this to have you feel guilty or have you worry but there are things that we can be doing even if it's hard and even if it's painful unintentional neglect is when we can't even take care of ourselves let alone somebody else and it's not intentional in any kind of way Mm -hmm. but babies need they need things in order to survive Mm -hmm. they need to be touched just like we talked about in the last segment with the cuddlers so even if you are feeling that depressed having the baby in the room with you and you even just touching their little toes or their little hands even if you're not feeling connected to baby doing it anyways right this Mm -hmm. is the time that if you can have the motto of fake it until you make it a little bit until you can go get help. But just touching the baby's skin very lightly or having the baby sit next to you so the baby can maybe hear your heart breathe or feel you breathing, um, even if you can't mentally get there. Um, reading a, reading to baby, too. So if you're, you're feeling really disconnected, go get your favorite magazine or have somebody get your favorite magazine. Read to baby. Um, if you just really can't do it, invite friends over, you know, and say, can you just please hold my baby? I can't get there. Our spouse, um, sit in the sunlight, even for a couple minutes of during the day, Mm -hmm. that's really going to be helpful to get some of that vitamin D might energize you a little bit more. Um, you know, if you've got means to eat a little bit healthier, you know, even if it's one meal, um, or eat your favorite snack. I know weight is such a huge concern and a topic that we'll talk about later, but if there's a snack that you really like that you need just to get you through, do that, right? Yeah. Don't go overboard. Um, listen to music. Music has so much power. It lights up different parts of your brain that can be helpful, um, especially if you're feeling depressed, right? Turning on music that might light those receptors, um, and it helps baby too. And just get around and move around, even if it's just around the house, right? Yeah. Go up and down the stairs a couple times to just get that energy going. And all of these things will help negate the um, unintentional neglect to baby and might start getting you motivated to at least get out and go to a psychiatrist, go out and help. Depression Mm -hmm. does hurt. It really does. And it's hard. 
but it doesn't have to take over if you take the proper steps to get out of it right. and ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think if I, looking back, were to give myself advice as a new mom to have a plan to not shelter yourself at home. I had this mm-hmm. misnomer that, oh, we had babies born in the fall and the weather was cold and you know people have viruses and I just had this terrible fear of going out into the public because I didn't want to expose either of the babies to what was out there, I would change it. I would Mm -hmm. make a plan that it didn't matter. Every day we had a plan to go walk around outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We all can bundle up. We can layer and just take the stroller and walk for blocks, right? Just walk it out. Yeah. Expose yourself to other people. But I think Mm -hmm. it just became a really vicious cycle for me to stay inside and protect mm-hmm. the kids from germs. Yeah. Um, and I would say that that's probably where it went wrong quickly. Mm-hmm. I, and that's just my experience, me personally. Um, but, you know, we we all have access to malls and public places. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like if I had just had a plan, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. five days into this, baby could be five, year, five days old, it doesn't matter. Go yeah. to the mall, walk, yeah. just yeah. walk, see yeah. people, hear things, mm-hmm. be out in public, um, and, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to kill your baby by leaving the house after a few days. Yeah. And I think that's old school. I remember <clears throat> when I had Adler, he was like three days old, and we went out to eat, and there was a lady who was kind of grandma age, and she was like, I can't believe that you're taking your baby out of the house. They're yeah. so young. Like. Like, there's this weird expectation that you can't take your baby out in public until they're, you know, weeks old or months old. It was Mm -hmm. so bizarre because I was like, why why wouldn't I take my baby out at at this age? And, you know, they are little, they are fragile, but we need to get out. We have to have that human connection. We do. There's a lot of cultural components to Mm -hmm. that, too. Like, Chinese culture, they actually stay home for a month. Yeah. They don't leave the house. They're not, I mean, the... If they're following cultural norms, they're not supposed to leave the house. That, but there's a lot of very positive experiences that they incorporate, like bone broth and things that are really rejuvenating to the mom's um, immunity system and all the things that have been depleted. So I think um, some of those things, those um, superstitions, if you will, come from different cultural places, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of positive you know, I think that's great. Like that, they, there's that attention to the healing of the mom. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna say, kind of, maybe becoming more comfortable with taking your baby out. I don't know any of the names of these products because I don't have new babies. But there are more ways to carry your baby close mm-hmm. to you and kind of protect your baby against your body, mm-hmm. similar to when you were carrying the baby. The but, boba wrap. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. There are all those wraps and contraptions and whatnot where you you were pregnant and out in public. You can mm-hmm. wrap the baby up and have it close to you and still be out in public and not mm-hmm. have to yep. feel like you're, you need to shelter this baby at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There yeah. are a lot of community-based resources out there. I remember I felt like I needed to get out of the house in order to, like, sort of try to remedy my depression. So it was very easy to sit and just watch television all day. And, you know, you half the time you don't get out of your bathrobe because you're like, what's the point? I just have to pull my boobs out all the all day yeah. long and, yeah. like, every hour. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, but there's Stroller Strides was a resource I use, which is an exercise class geared towards moms with children who are able to be in the stroller while you go and you exercise outdoors. So it was a great, and you great one. 
a community. Yeah. You start yeah. to talk to new moms, other new moms. Yeah, yeah. and there's also library-based programs um, that is yeah. like a baby story time. So I did some of those. So, you know, there are things out there. I think it's really easy to, like, get isolated, especially when you're home during the day when everybody else is working, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's really nobody around um, mm-hmm. unless you sort of seek out those opportunities. Yeah, so true. And I know that we focus primarily on couples. And I want to say out loud to those single parents out there who really don't have a lot of support to maybe research some of these things that are free services prior to having baby because I've definitely worked with clients who have been utterly alone and feel super depressed and having to navigate that on their own. So if you can and you are pregnant and you're listening to this, I would really strongly advise you to start looking up community-based programs, different um, activities that are free to you or covered with your insurance that you can go sign up for now. So when you need it, you know where it is instead of mm-hmm. having baby and feeling so depressed and isolated and not knowing maybe where to look for those resources to try to be a little bit proactive with that because there's some great programs out there for sure. You just have mm-hmm. to ask around. Breastfeeding support groups mm-hmm. too that were offered at the hospital. Um I thought about going but couldn't get myself to. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah there's a lot, there. of, a lot of well, things. Well, and I think, too, there are resources where lactation nurses <clears throat> or moms, past moms, will come to your house and work yeah. with you at home, too, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is probably pretty helpful. I did have that service, um, fortunately, but I, ha- I did have to pay out of pocket for it, but it was a lifesaver when I needed it. Well, why don't we transition to postpartum anxiety mm-hmm. because that is a biggie as well and it feels very different it feels mm-hmm. very different than depression anxiety does mm-hmm. so remember if you have experienced anxiety prior to pregnancy you are most likely going to experience anxiety when you have baby and it might be exacerbated i feel like if you've got it going into it you're going to have it afterwards as well mm-hmm. I'm, there's probably a high correlation, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a definite either. No. So, and I think another thing to keep in mind too, when we're talking about this, how different you can respond with different pregnancy experiences. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did not have postpartum with my first, but then I did have postpartum depression and anxiety with my second. So, um, so jumping into anxiety symptoms to look for, um, this resource is postpartumprogress.com that we're using some of these examples from. Um, they have an extensive list of symptoms, so I'll just kind of pick and choose through here. Um, but one of them is racing thoughts. Um, so having thoughts that you can't quiet your, that seems like you can't quiet your mind, you can't settle down. You can't relax. Um, Also feeling like you always have to be doing something. I can relate to this one. Like I should always be cleaning bottles or um, cleaning the house or washing baby clothes or doing something, entertaining baby, checking on baby, Um, being worried, really worried all the time um, about whether you're doing it right. Will my husband come home early from his trip? Will the baby wake up? Is the baby eating enough? How do I know how much milk they've had? Um... And then this one we've talked about before, but I don't think on uh, record, is disturbing thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having thoughts that you've never had before, scary thoughts that make you wonder, 
if you are the person you thought you are, um, and not an ability to control them. And it also points out that a lot of these thoughts will start with the words, what if? And I can definitely relate to that. And I think an important thing to know about the anxiety piece is that women who have these disturbing, obsessive thoughts, um, it's almost always around their baby getting hurt, the what Mm -hmm. if. Not that we're wanting to hurt our baby, but other people may hurt the baby or a natural disaster may Mm -hmm. come in and hurt baby or with all of, sadly, the mass shootings that you're not safe to even go out. So... These thoughts are are okay, but when you start to believe them, that's when you need to go get help. Mm -hmm. Because when you start to believe these thoughts, because there's a difference. There are times when you know that these are irrational thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Danan, you kind of spoke about that. Like you knew that they were irrational, you just couldn't get them to stop. If you know somebody and you're hearing a woman talking about these anxieties of something bad happening and they cannot go to, I know that this is irrational, they need help because oftentimes these are the women that hurt their babies because they think the only way to keep my baby safe is for me to take their life and my life too. And there are studies around that. There's actually a term, and I apologize that I don't know that term. I'll, I'll find it. But th- there's a term for women who go into these thoughts and worries of what if my baby's going to die, so I'm just going to kill my baby and are myself. talking about postpartum psychosis? Or no, there's a, a there's a, yeah, there's a completely different mm-hmm. word for it. Um, I know that there's a book out there. But that's a huge red flag. So there's a difference between thinking these worries and knowing I know that they're irrational. Well, and I think feeling compelled to act on that. Yes. And like that would be a yep. different, that's a whole different level and yep. is in the territory of psychosis and something that needs immediate yep. emergent intervention. Yeah. Um, for myself, I would have a lot of crazy imagery and what, like, what if worst case scenario things. So I distinctly remember we have these old, I live in a historic home and there's this old set of stairs that's very steep and not to code or what would be today's code. They're wooden. And I just, every time I would start my descent at the top of the stairs, I pictured my baby tumbling out of my arms and mm-hmm. um, sorry for the graphic nature of this image mm-hmm. but um and you know breaking their head open basically yeah. um and I don't I couldn't control it it happened every time I don't know for how long it happened but I mean I wild thoughts of like the worst possible thing happening there was an old cottonwood that I knew wasn't in great health outside of our house. And every time the wind picked up, I pictured that it was going to come crashing through the roof and it was going to squish both of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I laugh now, but it was like, those were real terrible thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have Mm -hmm. multiple times per day. And I think with anxiety too, you've got the physical aspect of it. Just like when Dana was talking about depression, how it hurt. When I experience anxiety, it's like my heart is racing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you can barely um, catch your breath and you can't sit still. You're really fidgety and kind of like, oh, what do I do? I've got all of this energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the compulsions and, um, you know, having to get up and do something and perseverating at mm-hmm. that point because it just takes over every ounce of your body. And you know you know you're in it and you it's like you can't shake it out. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels... I don't know. 
a very energized in a very negative way is how I can ex- describe like anxiety. restless restless yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I can relate to that yeah and you know it's happening like that's the thing with depression I think you can kind of slip into it um but with anxiety it's like it's there and it's so rapid and mm-hmm. you know that it's there and you're like ah it I, I don't know I, I think uh, I feel like for me personally, anxiety was worse than the depression. Like the depression, I felt like maybe I could just cry it out with the anxiety. It was like, what the fuck? What do I do with this with this energy? I hate it so much. I can't yeah. get out of it. I don't know when it's going to end. Like I, I needed mm-hmm. help and support with that. It's yeah. interesting. You definitely identify more with the depression and you identify more with the anxiety. And mm-hmm. I feel like I definitely fall in that comorbid category Yeah, mm-hmm. where I just was in both of them. Um, <clears throat> I think it's um, maybe something we can talk about in greater depth in another time, but also when there's medical complications with baby yeah. and the disruption that that has around attachment and bonding, mm-hmm. I feel like with August a hundred percent contributed to my postpartum. I'm not blaming my child for that, but I am saying that that was a factor for me. I didn't have the positive experience in after the second week. She was colicky and so hard to soothe. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't do anything right. Yeah, the crying wouldn't stop, and it definitely and contributed it impeded to my mental on your health. sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. And so, what can we do? You know. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot we can do <laughs> when sleep is a factor too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, with anxiety, it, well, the comorbidity. I think Gretchen can talk a little bit more about that, just because um, what a what a trifecta of uh, like yeah. what do you do when you have all of that going on? And it sounded like you went to your doctor. I did ultimately, but not for a while. I think she was nine months before I finally was like, okay, this is not lifting. Like mm-hmm. maybe even older than that. And I did go, did get on medication um, and went to see a therapist. Um, and I didn't need to be on the medication a long time, but to echo Danan's warning, I did take myself off of the medication. I don't know what I was thinking. I am, I should know better. And I just was thinking that it was getting in the way of me losing weight. I was being really vain. I was like, I don't want to stay on this medication anymore because I'm worried I can't lose weight on it. And I uh, just took myself off. And then I was having, like, dizzy spells, sort of like, I think, what's described as brain snaps, where I just would have these, like, sort of, like, shocks. Um, So I talked to my doctor about it, and he was like, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. He was like, well, let's put you back on it and then taper correctly. So consult your doctor. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah, don't take it into your own hands. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not good. So I did go on medication, and I do think it was helpful. Um, I think I should have been on it earlier. Yeah. Well, and I know now that there are new studies coming out um, if you have had depression or if you've had postpartum before in a previous um, pregnancy, that I think there are some medications that doctors are saying it's okay to start the last month of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And they put you on a really, really tiny dose. Mm-hmm. And then when baby comes, they up the dose. So then you're on it because the that SSRI that they prescribe won't 
break that blood barrier wall um, when you're breastfeeding. It won't get into the breast milk. So if you can do something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. have your doctor um, talk to you about increasing the medication during that time and do not take yourself off of it. Um, I think a lot of people do that, even without postpartum, even without babies. In general. Yep, in general. People are like, oh, I'm feeling so much better. I'm going to take myself (laughs) off of it. It's like, oh, you're feeling better because you're on it. Um, You know, and there's there's different types of depression. There's chemical depression and there's environmental depression. And if you have environmental depression, that one might be a little bit easier to taper off with help. Um, versus if you have chemical depression, you may need to be on it for a long amount of time. And mm-hmm. to get to a place where you feel okay with that yeah. and not taking yourself on or off of it um, because of different reasons, whatever your reasons might be. Um, you know, So it's important to, yes, consult your doctor before doing it so you don't have these symptoms. Because yeah. then you have like these withdrawal weird symptoms on top of mm-hmm. baby and it does make a difference whether you have an easy baby and a more challenging baby, mm-hmm. you know, of what you might need and what kind of support systems you may need. Mm-hmm. Well, and how lovely. I just kind of fantasize about the idea. Had I thought about going to the doctor beforehand and getting put on medication beforehand, mm-hmm. what a different experience I could mm-hmm. have had. Yeah. yeah. And my husband. I'm, that just seems like a nice fantasy now. If, mm-hmm. So if I could go tell my younger self that, right, mm-hmm. yeah. I would definitely say yeah. that would be worth looking mm-hmm. into. Yep. Yep. Some of the um, things that I know women are doing um, are non-prescription medication or prescription medication or abusing um, marijuana or abusing other alcohol or drugs in order to combat some of these depressive and anxiety symptoms. And I just really, really want to say, please don't go down that route. It's easy to go down that route. It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to have one cocktail tonight just to calm my nerves and to help me sleep. And that one cocktail turns into five cocktails. Then it turns into this rationale of like, but I need it in order to be a better parent or I need it in order to sleep or, or whatever your justification is around it. Um, this is where addictions can really come into play and can really be harmful with baby, really be harmful for you and for your spouse because it's happening quite a bit. You know, there are a lot of morning talk shows where they have moms come in who um, have talked about how their one glass of wine turned into five, turned into two or three bottles a day where they're hiding it. What? Um, two to three bottles a day? Yeah. That gives me a headache yeah. just even <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. It, I mean, it does. But when you're, when you're in it... I I think you're wanting to do anything to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And so there's no judgment here at all. The only thing that we can plead and say, go get help. That is not addictive. That is not harmful for you and for baby because alcohol does get into um, breast milk if you are breastfeeding. It impairs your judgment. And if you're driving and you're under the influence or even taking care of baby and bathing baby, I mean, there's just so many things that can happen, especially if you have anxiety and you're having these irrational thoughts or wanting to hurt baby. It may make it easier for you to justify doing those things if you're under the influence of something that you're not supposed to be taking. Please, please don't go down that route. Mm -hmm. And if you're already there and you're doing it and you're listening to this going, well, shit, I'm already there. What can you do? 
go find a therapist that specializes, go reach out to friends, go to AA meetings or NA meetings. There's so much support out there that's free. Or if you have the financial means, go private pay for um, a therapist that works with postpartum and addictions. They're out there. And no, you are not alone in no. this, and you're not unusual. This impacts yeah. 3 million or more women a year. Um, so please reach out. On a lighter note, it gets better. It does. It gets <laughs> better. If you can find a system, a support group, find your village, reach out, it gets better. I know that the first year or two of parenthood is so hard. You're in a fog. Um, but if you can push through, that will, it would really benefit everybody. The other word of caution um, I am going to say, and I might get backlash for this, is if you are experiencing this, do not get pregnant again <laughs> right away. Um, because if you get pregnant right away with this, now you've just complicated it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and not to say that you can't do it. You can do it, but it's just going to be a little bit more challenging or a lot more challenging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, then your hormones are way out of control. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are people who want the need to have back-to-back -back kids and have them really close together. Mm -hmm. Randall really wanted to do that. He wanted them to be like back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back. And my kids are 18 months apart, and I felt like it was too close. I couldn't handle it. It was way too much. My anxiety was, you know, there all the time. I felt constantly felt overwhelmed, constantly. Yeah. Um, and I didn't reach out to friends, so not only did I feel overwhelmed, I felt like nobody liked me, and I felt like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm so mm -hmm. isolated and alone, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then I get in my own head with that, and I think, mm -hmm. had I spaced them out just a little bit longer, that I wouldn't have felt so overwhelmed, and, and being able to reach out and get back into my normal routine, and me getting, going back to work was... Um, my saving grace. It really was. I think for a lot of women, and this will be a different segment, is going back to work. Mm -hmm. I needed to go back to work. Oh, yeah. I needed to connect to my coworkers, mm -hmm. um, to people who knew what I was going through and can be supportive. So I looked forward to going back to work because it was like, okay, I need to get back into my routine. And yeah. that helped mm -hmm. me. And separate from yeah. home and mm -hmm. from the baby. And yeah. yeah, we still need our own space. Yeah, mm -hmm. we do. Yeah, it doesn't mean we with... don't love them. Right, yeah. to reconnect with the, that other you mm -hmm. that you feel has been overridden by all of your obligations. Mm -hmm. By the breast pump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> That's yeah. right. So we, this is definitely not the end of this discussion. Um, we will probably bring up postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety often because it's it, it's so important and it's crucial that we keep this conversation alive and going and normalizing it. And for people who are witnessing new moms going through it to come in and help, just like what you said. Yeah. Um, you know, just go in and help. Just show up with coffee one day. Mm -hmm. They might get irritated and upset at first, but once you're there and you're holding baby and they're able to go take a shower or go yeah. lay down, they'll probably feel a lot better. I think so. Yeah. I just don't think force can... yourself on them like I do. <laughs> I don't think it can go wrong. <laughs> I remember one time Carter was, oh gosh, just a few weeks old and we all ended up getting the flu. Mm. Carter got the flu too. At I mean, two weeks old. Yeah, we were oh a few weeks somewhere in there, Jeez. and we weren't expecting any of that to happen. We were told, "Oh no, you know, we've all had the flu shot." Carter, mm -hmm. he's a baby. He's his immunities are going to be so strong; he'll be fine. We were just so sick, but a friend showed up, and she said, "I know you don't want to answer the door for me. I'm just going to leave the food outside." 
Mm. And it was a lifesaver. Yeah. I mean, it was life-saving. Yeah. Because we just couldn't function. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. I mean, it. if that's one example of why to just step up and do something, you don't have to be asked to do it. Just do mm-hmm. it. You love them. You've mm-hmm. got that kindness in your heart. Just go out there and help. Yeah. Yeah. So look for our links on re- for resources um, and symptom checklists. That's right. Yes. And if you guys have questions or other topics that you would like us to discuss, please let us know as well. We um, are in this together. We want to be your village. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. You can find links and resources from today's podcast on our website at www.parentingnaked.com or on Facebook at Parenting Naked.